Earlier this week, it came to my attention that one of my communion kits was missing. Now, I'm a fairly neat person, and while these kits see a fair bit of travel when taking communion to the hospital or to nursing homes or to people's houses, they have a special place in my office, right on top of a bookshelf. So as I glared at the empty spot where this communion kit normally resides, I told myself that surely it was in the one place I kept my kit when it was not in my office, at my house. Later that day, I went home, and my kit was not in the one spot I kept it at by the door. And then I got that horrible feeling in the pit of my stomach, that sinking feeling that tells you that something is lost. For three days this week, I hunted for that communion kit. I checked the sacristy at church to see if someone possibly borrowed it and returned it there, or kindly had it cleaned for me, and no dice. I searched Father Donovan's office, thinking maybe he possibly had taken it to see if I had an extra wafer or two he could borrow, but he was clean. I searched every room in my house and both of our cars, even though I knew I would never leave Jesus in the car, as Deacon Mark would say. Finally realizing I had reached the ends of my imagination as to where I had left it, I prayed that God would help me, and if I had left it at the hospital, which I really did not think that I had done, that someone would Google my name and give the church a call. An hour or two later, I was home talking to my mom about something completely unrelated, when my eyes fell upon the coat hooks on which I keep two large purses. Without thinking, I went over, opened up my large purse, and pulled my communion kit straight out of it like a magician would pull a rabbit out of a hat. Right then, I remembered that the last time I went to the hospital, I had not taken my work bag. Instead, I had taken my large purse. And when I returned home, I had not removed my communion kit, as I always do. And you know what I did next? I rejoiced with my mother and my husband. I felt an overwhelming sense of relief and joy in finding the communion kit that once was lost and now was found. It was not until later that I realized how the stories I had been reading and praying on this week were so similar to my experience. It's not often we find ourselves living into Jesus' parables, but this week I definitely felt like the shepherd who found his lost sheep or the old woman who found her lost coin. But these are interesting parables that we read this morning, because the characters we would normally most readily relate to, the main human character in each of these stories, are not the ones we are supposed to be identifying with. The Pharisees and the scribes, the tax collectors and the sinners, and us as listeners today, none of us are the shepherd or the old women. These parables are not about us. They are not parables to teach us how to live or about the cost of discipleship. Instead, these parables are about the nature of God. God's love for us is so overwhelming and reckless that God is like a shepherd who would leave 99 sheep. Sheep who are defenseless and wandering in the wilderness. Sheep who could also wander off. Or sheep who could be attacked by wolves to find the one sheep who has lost his or her way. And we have all at one time or another been that sheep, the sheep who gets lost in the dark, scary places of our lives. The shepherd could live by the American idiom, 
a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush and just say, oh well, 99 out of 100 ain't bad. Better to keep these 99 over here than possibly lose them in order to find the one. But that is not God's nature. God could not stand losing even one of his sheep. So God will spend each and every day of each person's life seeking them out. We talk a lot about the cost of Christian discipleship, the sacrifices that must be made when living a Christian life. But these sacrifices are not in order to earn the love or grace of God. God loves you because he made you. The price of God's grace has already been paid by Jesus' death on the cross. The sheep in this story does absolutely nothing to be found by the shepherd. The shepherd does all the work. Similarly, a coin can do nothing to be found by the old woman. A coin cannot even bleat like a sheep. A coin cannot shine brighter or roll out from its hiding place. But the story is not about the coin. The story is about the old woman who is consumed by the idea of finding this lost coin. God is consumed with the idea of finding you. You, the individual. God is obsessed with you. That is God's nature. Now, while I think once we get over the idea that we are not the shepherd or the old woman and become comfortable with the idea that we are the sheep or the coin, these parables can be reassuring. Most of us were at one time lost, but now we're found. Yay! But there are other characters in this parable we should consider. Characters I think that Jesus is asking the Pharisees and the scribes to consider. What if we're not the sheep or the coin anymore? But what if we are the 99 who have lost our companion sheep? I don't know much about sheep, but I do spend a lot of time with dogs. And when a bonded pair of dogs is separated, normally for a vet visit or for grooming, they go nuts when they're reunited. Or how about the people both the shepherd and the old woman call up once the lost has been found in order to throw a party? Jesus is providing us the opportunity to see what happens when the righteous, those who have already been found by God, those who are living in relationship with God, when the righteous are given another brother or sister, or better yet, when a lost sheep is returned to the fold. They are not supposed to close ranks or judge those returning or say that those that God brings to them are still unworthy. Rather, they are to rejoice with God. In the gospel, the Pharisees and the scribes are concerned about the company Jesus is keeping. Maybe because they're worried that the bad apples will rub off on Jesus. Or maybe because they think Jesus' comfort with sinners shows that he is unworthy as well. But what Jesus is showing them is the possibility of redemption. And rather than be upset that the unworthy, the unclean, the undesirables might be joining the fold... Jesus is calling them up and saying, come over, let's party. We say a general confession each week during our liturgy in order to repent and be absolved before communion. This confession and absolution, if said with contrite hearts, are sufficient to experience God's forgiveness. But there are times when we still feel unworthy 
or unclean or undesirable. There are times when we need to spend a little more time thinking over our manifold sins. And there are times when we need to feel the full weight of our guilt. And then the incredible gift of absolution as it is pronounced on us individually. These are the times it is appropriate to come see Father Donovan or myself for private confession. Not because God has not forgiven you fully, not because something you have done is keeping God from loving you, but because there is something you have not let go of yet, and you feel it is still sitting between you and God. We have a full liturgy starting on page 447 in our Red Book of Common Prayer that, while short, can relieve the burden of guilt like no other. But my favorite line is found at the very end of the service on page 451. The priest concludes the service with the following. Now there is rejoicing in heaven, for you were lost and are found. You were dead and are now alive in Christ Jesus our Lord. Go in peace. The Lord has put away all your sins. We are all unworthy or unclean or undesirable. We all have faults, we all fall short, and we are all stained by sin. But God created us. God loves us. And God will always seek us out. Nothing can ever separate you from the love of God. There is nothing you can do, no sin you can commit, no dastardly deed you could perform that could ever make you irredeemable. God loves you. God will continue seeking you. And nothing you do will ever change that. And when God does add a new sinner to the fold, when God does find even one more of us, we are all called to rejoice. Because we too once were lost and now are found. We were dead and now are alive in Christ Jesus. And that grace and God's love is available to all. Thanks be to God.